Off the ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. Brian O'Driscoll on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. So the statement came through this afternoon. We're delighted to announce the Ireland captain, Johnny Sexton, signed a contract extension up until the end of World Cup 2023, after which he'll sail off into the sunset after lifting the Webb Ellis Cup. Hmm. I've added on a touch there to the statement. Johnny Sexton uh, then speaking, Brian O'Driscoll, you're very welcome, to the press said uh, he's delighted he's going to attack the last 18 months. And that's his plan. So he's going out at the top, as he said himself. Yeah, like, listen, there's no huge surprise, is there? But no. the, the the only thing is, and I was thinking about this when I when I read it, and and I, you know, I know from my own experience that as soon as you give the finality, it's it. You think you're doing one thing, of kind of kind of releasing the pressure valve of the questions, but actually it, it encourages something else that you can't control. Did you, you know, draw an out goodbye? I was like. <laughs> There was a game or two that, oh you know, God. so yeah, it was like it, I look back on that now and I thought I was buying myself a bit of breathing space. But on the contrary, it actually ended up being that everything became a last mm. last time in Franklin's Gardens in like December um, <laughs> Twickenham. Yeah. And then actually, as it transpired for me, I ended up, I don't know, I, I think I broke the world record, the cap record at the George Gregan in like my fourth last test. And so they all just were kind of landmark moments and it and I was dying inside. Why? Because I just wanted it to, by the end it was that the whole one more year and uh, the long goodbye and I just I'd, I'd had too much of it. I just was I was embarrassed by it by the end. Okay. So it wasn't that it emotionally drained no, you? No, no, not that. I like a little bit of me was ready to retire because I knew I was I was ready to fall off a cliff performance wise. Mm-hmm. But it that a lot coupled with the oh for God's sake, you know, are you not gone already? Mm. And I I could I I sensed that myself and I you think you're a good judge of the, the kind of situation you're living in, you'd like to think so. And I was dying a little yes, bit inside. Yes, I mean, you can. I, I understood your logic at the time because it ends the endless questions of will this be your last year? Will this be your last year? And as you say, it transforms that into my God, how are you feeling? It's the but last you're, time. You're better off keeping them guessing. Keep going. Yeah, well, maybe we'll see. I'll, you know, I'll decide closer to the time. You're just better off kicking it down the road. It, it's harder for Johnny because he's going to be 38. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, the only thing is, Tom Brady and others are able to get to 40 and 41 like you know why 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 cap it anyway the only thing is there's no place it's different there's no place room in either Leinster or Ireland mm-hmm. after the next World Cup that's the only thing mm-hmm. where you know in, in other sports it works differently with franchises and so on teams built around and whatnot that's they've got to plan for the future and you can't go season by season as they do a little bit more in maybe american sports well as you say it's no surprise and you know what as well it's worth just stating not to labor the point but in spite of the general improvement in ireland that we have seen this six nations has once again underlined sexton's importance even against italy the difference when he came on versus the previous 60 everything just looked better smoother 
more fluid. Should Joey had just softened them up in the first 60, 55, <laughs> 60 minutes for, for, you know, people say they were Joey detractors in some shape or form. It, it's clear as day, you know, what he does add. And it's funny, I've watched a lot of footage this week because we're doing a piece at the weekend with ITV on Marcus Smith versus Johnny Sexton and both of them understand space. They really do. But Johnny's understanding is just is pure experience whereas Marcus gets it but he's got this incredible athletic prowess that gets him out of trouble that wouldn't allow other players to be able to survive mm. and he and also he backs himself so much he's if in doubt he'll back his himself whereas Johnny's now re, really using his intellect he's an inferior athlete to Marcus Smith and inferior to many other tens but still very capable if you offer him a gap he'll still go through it so it's his passing game and his vision and his ability to attract defenders and then pick the right option is the real differentiator between you know another player of 37 or 38 and him and that's why he's still our number one yeah and you know the way you say it's it's experience presume though there is a gifted innate ability there like at 25, I presume he was still ahead of the pack in terms of appreciation of space and pictures. Yeah, and finding that pass and picking it. But he's in a he's playing a game plan that allows him to do that really well. He's very comfortable. I think the preseason that he got when he didn't go on the Lions tour worked so well in his favour because he was able to embed himself with non-international players in that preseason. So p- players of a lesser calibre. And so he, he, you know, he really had to work hard, you know, bringing them along with him. I think the five week period where Leinster didn't have a game in December worked a treat where they were able to drill down their their plays. And the reality is it's a ver- it's a very, very close version of what they what Leinster are doing with Ireland. So yeah. he's comfortable. He, he's he's practiced it for the last three or four years and honed and developed and evolved it. And he's been a big part of that process. But he's. He's totally comfortable with the shape of what they're trying to create and then picking those relevant options depending on what the defence is showing him. It is, I would say his peripheral vision is is a massive distinction as well. I okay. think that above Carberry, above others, whatever about his, ability, his know-how, his ability to be able to scan and read the defence and see where the wingers are in particular and when they're playing in. There was once or twice where... You know, Carberry threw a pass out the back where the winger shot in, where Joey, you know, passes the the screen player running short, the, the back out the back, but he actually throws, misses both of them over the top because he sees the winger shooting in. It's all to do with sh- shoulder and hip shape and, you know, and, and how aggressive they're coming. And Johnny's able to see that hundreds of a second quicker than I think. I don't know if there's anybody else. Right. I really, I don't think there's anyone that sees it as clearly as that, to be honest with you. Your uh, cohesion point brings us to Eddie Jones, which is uh, very much the talk of the week. Ireland are literally, and I say this without hesitation, the most cohesive side in the world. Bulk of their team trained together for the bulk of the year, so they're very well coordinated in their attack, very structured, very sequenced inset plays. I think that was a genuinely meant point. He did have a subtle... Dig is maybe the unwear, unfair way of putting it, but did, he did say with a view to the World Cup, we're in a great place. The three months before the World Cup is where every team becomes equal. 
we all have the same amount of time to practice. We all have the players the same amount of time. And so what he's talking about here is Stuart Lancaster effectively at Leinster is running international camp. They're perfecting these plays day in, day out. And you struck me as a perfect person to talk to about this because you have come from Leinster, bulk supplier to the national team, playing with Leo Cullen probably since school. You know, you knew what he was going to do before he was going to do it, I'd say, in a pitch. And you've experienced how much of an advantage that might be. And then you've also pitched up in a Lions tour where we're starting from zero and we have to get to cohesive very, very quickly. So your thoughts on Jones's points there? Yeah, I, I think, he, you know, there's I'm always mindful that there's there's an undertone in, in everything that he says. But I do feel as though I, I agree with a lot of what he is saying. I think if you look at certain teams um, around World Cup time that ordinarily wouldn't have had a huge amount of time together and Argentina are a prime example, World Cups in 99, 07 mm-hmm. in particular in 03 we scraped by them they were still a good team could have beaten us so um, but they would always have struggled from a cohesion point of view of because they wouldn't have spent that much time in training camp you put them together for two or three months and you drill them like a proper preseason. it's actually the longest preseason any team's ever going to get um, and all of a sudden he's right you you get an opportunity to to do exactly what you are trying to do and i think if if you look over the course of the six nations from an english point of view i th- thought they were very disjointed against scotland i th- thought shape was very poor very un- unsure of the, as to what they were trying to achieve and progressively i think that's gotten much better right. um some good signs of it in the first half against Wales they didn't have an awful lot of possession in the second half they kicked a lot of it away but I thought some of it was really good and they had their lines of running they're doing a very similar model to what Ireland are doing right. you know, you're still seeing that pod up front you know with one in one inside one outside player out the back and then there's always a modification on what happens outside that different teams are doing different things um, but if you'll see at the weekend and what's really interesting and we might go on to it is is seeing some of the, the two of the best ball players are the tight head props in both teams both of them have run that pod the best okay. and to watch the silky skills of both Sinclair and uh, Furlong carry the same way read the defence well very very smart footballers so you'll see them in at that first dis- distributor um, and and when it does go out the back there, like I said there are variations and I do think that Johnny squares around the corner better than Marcus Smith Smith buys time and does square up but he not to the same degree and I just think that that's an experience thing I mm. think he'll he's a young guy still and when he learns wh- what's um, space he can create out wide from those small little nuances I think he'll just be he'll be a fabulous fabulous player Did you generally get to a point on Lions Tours where come the first or second test you looked around and you said oh I feel like we know each other as well and we know what we're doing as well as an international side I've played with Yeah I think the, the difference with Lions Tours is that everyone gets it within three four sessions Because the calibre Yeah okay. It's just the standard okay. The standard of training is different different level Okay, Completely different level um, where you don't have many guys that aren't very good at almost everything. And, and those that aren't stand out like sore thumbs and the, the cream does rise to the, to the top in those sessions um, where, you know, you you also have to play probably a relatively simplistic game plan and 
the evolution of that, you know, certainly under Gats was working hard around the corner and mm. then, you know, they obviously changed it up a little bit in, in 17 and um, wasn't much wasn't much fun watching this time round. Um, but so it was... Big conversation. We yeah, yeah, yeah. It okay. was like having a clear idea in week one, this is the way we got to play. We're going to out- outwork the opposition and... Um, and we're, we're going to be grafters and then we're going to leave ourselves an opportunity for a bit of X Factor to showcase what they're capable of doing. Okay, makes sense, I suppose. And were there certain players that you click with straight away? Um, yeah, there are. I think that you, you probably get that more on game day and you really understand what someone's made of. But yeah, there are players where I thought I, I clicked pretty well with Manu. Um, Tulagi and I thought he was my chance of playing in the test series in 13 um, just because of the balance to his game and sometimes you need when I was a younger guy I was the listener and then sometimes you need that dynamic a bit of experience and a bit, a bit of youthful exuberance and then in later tours Manu and, and maybe I was the experienced guy and same with Jamie Roberts I, that was my third tour his first in 09 mm. so he kind of came in and listened a lot to what we were trying to do and I think you're trying to you're passing on IP as well you're passing on knowledge as to why things work and breaking things down rather than just running through plays for the sake of it it's also the game is a very different place than it is now I think players have a very distinct understanding of what their role is I think back then sometimes they were told to do something and um, even at Lions standard but you didn't break down why you were trying to do it and until you understand exactly your role how can you be sh- certain that you're actually achieving what you're trying to yes, achieve to yes. stop the, the opposition the uh, senior partner in a uh, on-field relationship is an interesting point because you I guess you wouldn't want two alphas who are competing with each other the whole time and no I said we we're going to do it that way no well, we're doing it my way well it would have been really interesting what would have happened with in 01 now I was still young but I don't know if I would have been able to play my game the way I wanted to if Will Greenwood was playing at 12. You know, he's more of a 13. I think you would have been trying to do a hybrid 12-13 between the two of us. And, you know, from his perspective, he was got injured, you know, a week or two before the first test, 10 days before the first test, and, and, and Hendo got in and, and we formed a good partnership because we'd obviously played in, our, in, um, in Ireland together. But that was interesting. And then... You know, similarly with Jonathan Davis in 2013, we're two 13s playing in the centre, pure 13s. Neither of us were 12s and we tried to make it fit and we just didn't quite gel. Um, And and you get that. That's the reality of it. Um, But, you know, in the other ones, you look back, um, you know, Jamie is the obvious one. Um, Hendo, we worked really well in, in 01, Rob Henderson. And then... Yeah, 05, sure, I, the, yeah, I, I thought we were a solid partnership for the 45 seconds I was on the park for the first test with Johnny Wilkinson. So I, I don't know, I can't, yeah, that's that's blurred out. Yeah. Would have been interesting to see how that partnership would have been. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, we were always going to be up against that, weren't no, we? No, sure. Know? But like, just your own little corner, how you but, might have done. But we had obviously, you know, playing Johnny as a left footer in the centre, you know, Steve Jones, play, right footer. There was a huge focus on the back of what England had done in 03 with, you know, Mike Cat coming on, on the, as a right footer in the centre and finishing games out and being that kicking option. Bolshaw, fullback, right footer, yeah. you know, to complement Johnny's left. So, th- so it was a real kicking focus. Okay. Um, so maybe not, you know, what I was lo- loving okay. listening to, but, you know, you showed up and put up. Yeah, no doubt. 
So Twickenham then. Let's talk Twickenham. Oh four, oh six, ten is a nice sweet spot in your career, given mm. that Ireland previously had won there in ninety four and I think eighty two, and then suddenly wow, Ginger McLaughlin was that eighty two? Yeah. Mm, I know to double check. It must have been because there weren't yeah. many others. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Okay. So each ground has its own, I suppose, uh, you know, tradition and quirk and flavour. What's the Twickenham experience? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, it's so enormous. It's it's. It's it's vast and not particularly intimate. You know, there's an intimacy to Cardiff. Mm. I know you're talking probably twenty odd thousand less. There, that's why. But I th- I think Twickenham. You know, we, I, we had a couple of nightmares early on in two thousand two thousand two, where we got beaten by forty or fifty points. So we we knew what. Swing Low Sweet Chariot was about, you know, with them head of steam and just unstoppable. So you got you have to play with a bit of fear in Twickenham for mm-hmm. sure. You have to play and um and I and O four was a real was a real catalyst for that Irish team. You know, it was their first game back after winning the World Cup. Obviously, lots of changes, but for us to beat them against the odds there was huge for us. And I think that instilled a big amount of confidence. And then the fact that it wasn't a fluke in, you know, two years later when we're back there again, I think we're kind of reinforced that we were a half decent team. Not many sides go to Twickenham and win. Um, So um, I just remember it being somewhere where you had to, yeah, a bit like the French in Stade de France early in the early 2000s hang in there, strap yourself in and survive the first 15, 20 minutes because we chase shadows before and it could it could be a long, long day at the oh, office. And is it loud with the atmosphere? It is loud, but not certainly not one of the, lou- one of the louder ones. Okay. You know, it doesn't... It wasn't that. It was... It was the ferocity of the team, and and you have to remember going back to those those earlier pre World Cup win. You know they were an outstanding team. They should have won multiple Grand Slams and fell at the final hurdles. So, this is a, pr- a very very impressive English team yeah. we're looking at. Less so the years that we then subsequently went on to beat them, um, and and then yeah, they're you know no matter what. Even when it's a poor England team or a disappointing or a subpar England team, there's still a tough beat there, you know? They really are. Well, in 10 years, uh, two Six Nations defeats there at home. Wow. Ireland Grand Slam in 2018. Mm. Scots last year, that's it. And that was, God, that was as comprehensive of a win. However well we did to beat England in 04, 06 and 10, they were all... I'm thinking they were all one score games, maybe five, six points mm-hmm. in one of them, but uh, would have been the biggest margin. So, But we won really well, very comprehensively in 2018. And that was that was a surprise. It just never felt that irrespective of any English team that come up you know, to, to try and play against a team looking for a grand slam at home. They're not going to lie down. And I was I was really surprised that day that we we got the better of them as convincingly as we did. But yeah. then, you know, since then, shows the cycle of the game. We've been thumped by England a few times and they've really physically imposed themselves and, and kind of made apparent our Achilles heel of this not being able to deal with the, the high levels of physicality that the best teams in the world yes. are able to do. 
Well, I want to ask you about that. So uh, I guess you're, that 1920 period was where yeah, and, and it, it paralleled with Saracens. It felt like, geez, Irish teams against this, these English teams physically can't compete. Well, there was two teams. I know, you yeah. Know, there was no other side. If you look at that, that the at all other sides in England, yeah, you know that no, none of the provincial teams would have struggled consecutively like Leinster did with Saracens. with Saris. Yeah. And it was two. It's just two big games, and Saris are a great team. No, hundred percent. So I wanted to ask, where are we now? There is no doubt England almost being talked about as underdogs for this game at home and by the way if they lose this and then go to Paris they could be looking at fifth place again they're going to try and make this physically I would think a real yeah. war for starters so physically do they have an edge on Ireland still? I, do you know what much less so I, the, the thing is and I'd be mindful of the terminology I use here but I, I think if you look at the great England team of the World Cup's semi-final and subsequent final loss particularly and, and the team that built up, you have to remember as well, in 16, 17, they won Slam and, and Championship. Um, and then obviously a disappointing year in 18. But, but for 19, they were able to bounce back within that year and come back and and deliver a team that got to a World Cup final. Um, but if you look at the personnel there, it just felt a team more capable of physically dominating teams consistently. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if if there's that there's that, not that strength and depth there's everyone's a little bit older now you look at George Cruz versus Yules in the in the second row Yules I know is a bit of enforcer for Bath but just don't think he has the same nastiness um, same know-how um, you know guys like Will Stewart coming in at tight head repl- you know again bench guys that very very good club players but I just don't think they're top internationals where before you know, England of two three years ago there, there was 12 11 12 really really top internationals within their team okay. and then you know the supplementaries were workhorses and, and kind of added value to their team so I just don't think it, it has the same look of an English team as as one that, that used to scare us a few years ago but that's yeah. not to say that that they they don't have the ability still to come out and, and I'm not saying they're going to blow us away but I, I think we've got to be very mindful of, of what is coming and it's going to be that attempt to physically dominate us and push us around and you know on paper do we look a little bit light in the second row in Ty Byrne and James Ryan probably um, comparatively to to Yules and Atoji will they be trying to outmuscle them and be nasty yeah, they will so it's it's a it's a big moment for this team to see how they deal with that level of aggression that's coming at them. And would you be tempted to bring Ian Henderson back in who played 80 minutes on Friday? I would be. I would be. I think he does add something um, to us. I, I don't know at, um, you know, at whose expense. Um, it's very difficult to, to drop Ty Byrne at the moment. I d- but I don't know who's number one anymore. Um, line-outs obviously is is a very important factor mm. yeah, as well and who's calling it and who's marshalling things um, and where are you in particularly this if Peter O'Mahony's not going to be playing there. where are you in this move burn to six yeah yeah I think that's you know there's definitely something in it um, you know he's we don't want to just think about the defensive side of things you need you do need a ball carrying six so who so is it Doris goes to eight you miss that bit of size with Conan. How good was he against England in the Aviva last year? That's that 
performance got him selected for the Lions. So I, I, I'd be conscious of maybe not changing that too much. So I think they will stick with the same back row of Conan Doris and Van der Fleer, but which of the second rows drops to the bench if you bring Henderson in? I, I don't know. Possibly James Ryan. And does Conway go back into the right wing or does Hansen start if we're assuming low starts? Um, I, I think Conway probably does go back in because he was the guy in possession and unless they've seen something at training where Hansen's just ripping him up and one-on-one he's he's shown that, you know, that he has the better of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Conway has been there for lots of big ones recently, hasn't let us down, scores, tries, finishes very well, makes very few errors, good in the air, all the things you want in um, in an international winger. I think it's, he's super solid, but then ha- has, you know, sparks of X Factor too. So I think they're, they're all close calls. I do. I think, um, I think, you know, we're not even talking about Keith Earls anymore, you know? Um, so, and guys like Stockdale sitting in on the injured list. It's 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 a great place that they're in. That the there's so much, so many selection headaches. But I do think that if you are picking on a from a full deck, I think Conway does go back in there, and I think Glow probably plays on the other wing for now. I've seen the suggestion made if England are now going with say two ball playing centres, that perfect opportunity to put Bundyaki in there and say bash on through them and bash away for the full 80 and leave Henshaw out which seems yeah you know unfortunately for Robbie you know the game wasn't his greatest game against Italy you know you try to think of opportunities created not a huge amount you know weird game it was a weird game it was a weird game and you know what when when you watch it back it, it they were so close to killing them three or four more times okay. and and I think I do think that if you have Johnny in there that you pick the pass more often and you're around the corner with three numbers on one winger chasing across not even a full back anymore like there was that there was it was that glaringly obvious um, so yeah it's unfortunate because the problem is he was given the opportunity he, he's still number one I do think that Henshaw is still number one in um, in in Farrell's eyes, I think he feels as though he will pick the pass and pick the option more often than Bundy. Bundy will give you security. He will give you advantage line, um, and he will, you know, still very proficient passing wise and everything. But I think those clutch moments of getting someone to make a decision in with hundreds of a second, I think that there's a backing, a greater backing for Robbie still that he's the one that's going to be able to pick the, the correct option more often than Bundy. Okay. Um, Ireland at the breakdown I want to ask you about. So against Wales, the competition there was non-existent in, in that aspect of the game. France really went after Ireland there. Italy had some joy against Ireland there. Yeah, they did. And no doubt Eddie Jones noticed all this. So you suspect there's going to be war at the breakdown. Has there been any slight slippage on Ireland's part or do you suspect this week there'll be just a, let's re-establish our first principles. We need to pay attention to this again. I, I think they will always have that conversation. I don't think that's necessarily just on the basis of what happened recently. I think when they have a great rook speed like they did in, in the Welsh game, I think they won't be licking themselves either thinking they're the finished article. I I, I think it's it's a 
it's something, a, a continuum that they have to stay on top of that it is the winning and losing of your attack of your attack game. And it starts with ball carrying. It was funny, they're very different rook performances against France. They got counter-rooked by a team that physically just dominated them. And so I wonder, do they modify, do they talk about it in advance and, and think about putting an extra person in there, putting an extra body in there and being more mindful. But against Italy, it actually they were caught a few times on line breaks on the support play not quite being there. And I think there's a big responsibility on the ball carrier there to buy time for the opposition. Referees are quite hot on that second movement on the ground, but I do think you can, you can, you know, um, bounce back from the initial fall and get long body and get yourself north-south um, and give your 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 clearers a, a target to be able to clear over and just make it a little bit more challenging for the would-be jacklers coming in trying to steal ball. They had a little bit of look. And maybe it's no harm that that actually happened um, because, you know, even when they were down to 13, they still were mm. pil- pilfering balls. So that should be some alarm bells going, you know, we're not there yet. Mm. We, you know, we aren't, you know, we did it in the first game. We haven't done it in properly in games two and three. So that has to be a real focus of attention against England. Um, and and they will have, you know, Don Brandt got a turnover or two. Curry's obviously very good on it. Toji's very good on the ball as well. So some, you know, Cowan Dickey's not going to be playing. He'd be he'd be good on it. Genge isn't afraid of sticking his head where the sun doesn't shine either. So it, it's um, there's plenty of guys capable of doing it. So they really will need to focus on their rook accuracy to create that rook, you know, fast rook ball that we know when we do we will cut any team apart with it, with the shape that we have. And are you fearful you, you said England's attacking setup looked a bit better against Wales even though they didn't have much possession because I think you know at a glance you could say well England against Wales one try scored to Wales is three England only had two line breaks they're really just a kicking team in defence do Ireland need to be that fearful would be you know maybe the worst. I'm just saying it was better than yeah. it was okay. against Scotland I'm not saying it was World cutting class. edge yet okay. you know I think you could see green shoots as to what they were trying to achieve. I thought their their lines of running and their timing was shocking against Scotland, right. even for a team that hadn't been together an awful lot. Just they were they were lacking massive penetration. They, you know, were running at kind of half speed, and they were running in front of the ball carrier. All the home, all the things that maybe we were doing, you know, a year ago, mm. and and all of a sudden now you get your timing right a little bit, you sit down defenders. The one thing that I did notice a few times is Marcus Smith having a go himself. So he, what he is spotting is on, on that first pod. So is it depending on who runs the short line outside of the ball carrier. So it's that hit, hitting the middle guy, option in, option out. If they go out the back and the, the guy running the short line sits down the defender, he sees Smith will see the separation of that that defender's shoulders turning in, and then depending on who the personnel is as the next defender, he'll have a go at that space. And he did it a couple of times against Wales, and that's the peripheral vision piece of mm. being able to see what's happening just as you are getting the ball to see the shoulder line of the defender that you're trying to attack on the outside of and then see the body shape of the defender pressing up to, that thinks it's your man. Mm. It ended up being Wynne Jones and, and Adam Beard a couple of times. That's perfect for him. Yes. You know, as soon as, as a prop turns his shoulders in 
and a second row is playing hard up. He's not going to have the agility. They need a two-man tackle on someone like Smith. So he will, will have to be very vigilant where we are defending with you know two front rowers together that he will look, not Spot need a second it. invitation okay. to have a bite through that, that through the kind of seam. And Smith's ability is notwithstanding. It sounds like our, our Ireland could be reasonably confident of not conceding too many tries here. I think defensively we have been very strong and we've, you know, even the, the try... Um, conceded against Wales obviously was against a run of play a bit it was one that you could chalk off um, the couple against France um, I think we were shocked by the by the first one you know you, you might say that it was it, it travelled marginally forward they got away with it mm-hmm. so like there, there's we haven't we haven't been cut open we haven't no. had to scramble that many times which would lead you to believe that defensively the systems in place they're getting their spacings they're I think they've been able to match physically the opposition you know for the most part obviously we're on the back foot a bit against France in that first half in particular but yeah I I think that's been something that's really really improved you think back to the defensive performance against New Zealand I thought that was absolutely outstanding and um and yeah, you you know whatever about the attack game, you know, you've always got to keep an eye on on what you're doing defensively of making sure you're squeezing pressure on on, on playmakers that like time on the ball. All of them do. Yeah. And Marcus Smith is someone that looks as though he's more time than he does, but you know, I think he can be squeezed more for pressure. I think Wales didn't really get after him very often. Mm. I wanted to ask you about options off the bench and particularly when it comes to scrum half. I think we've had a tradition generally uh, during the Murray era of somebody to quicken things up off the bench, give or take. And now we've got Gibson Park who's very much starting and he's all about tempo and pace. And our option off the bench is Murray, who is experienced and very steady, but doesn't feel like an injection of tempo. Now, I don't know, maybe if you're leading by 20 points, that's all right. But as a chase the game option, should we be thinking about some more tempo off the bench or do you like the Murray option? Like it's it's such a hard one you know I think there's such comfort and we've said it for years on here about the, the comfort that Murray does give to his team there's real sense of security there but then Craig Casey's absolutely you know putting pressure on him because of the exciting tempo that he brings also we're trying to play a high tempo game mm. that's what you're trying to do and you can see a difference between Gibson Park and Murray when he comes when he has come on. It does slow down. There is a little bit more box kicking. We are waiting for shape to to set up, whereas the speed of delivery from Casey and Gibson Park has been a point of difference for both of them. And so I do think there's more pressure coming on Connor Murray to to really understand his USP. Because I think Casey and and um, and Gibson Park, you, it's very evident. Besides control, is control enough now? If you're winning, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah. But if you're chasing the game, I'd say if you you know you've been on the pitch and like, you saw here, here's a question: off When was tempo? the last time Conor Murray took a quick tap? Not this Six Nations. I like, don't think. I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. A few dummies quick taps. But but with regard to getting after opposition, like he's coming on with twenty minutes to go, we've got bodies are tired. Yeah, you know, make silly decisions. You know, players give them you know pick up a yellow card for taking someone, you know, three meters from the top. I, I literally haven't seen it. Mm. Think about the Welsh nines. Think about Ben Youngs, Randall. These guys take quick taps. They mm. try and 
bring energy to the game and I, I think it's something that used to be part of Connor's game that's the thing I, I haven't genuinely it doesn't stick out in my head I haven't seen one for a few years mm. you wonder if it's been said to him you know we need more of that from you we're playing a high tempo game we need you to get there as well yeah I, I, and sometimes yeah maybe you look back on what has worked for you in the past like I, even when he had his great season in 17, 18 I still don't remember that. Fair but enough. He, you know, what about the, the line break, you know, in 16, those sort of moments, those snipes against the All Blacks yes, in, in Soldier Field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we just don't see that many of them anymore. And I, I think that only comes from increasing the tempo and taking chances. And, and I think it's coming to a point that he's probably going to need to do it because Casey is yes. offering so much else. Because if there's 10 minutes left and you're five points down and you're bringing tempo off the bench, you have to be bringing tempo off the and bench. And maybe he, at the moment, Ireland have been quite controlled when he's come off. Have we, have we been behind and really struggling in games that we've had to revolutionise what we've been trying to do? Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't think of it against... France, we were a score behind. It's not like you need to chase a couple of scores. When was the last time we, we had that? Not no. for a while. But against France, did you not think? Oh, yeah, we could have done with tempo's more dropping. Yeah, we, need, we could we have. Need to speed Tilly it up. them. Tilly uh, them. They're the, a massive team. Move them around. Yeah. Make them make some bad decisions. Make them feel uncomfortable. So Murray's a brilliant player. Like I mean, that goes without needing to be said here. So, But I presume it's within his repertoire to say, just speed it up here. Of course it is. Of course so, it is. So you wonder why is that not? I don't happening? know. Okay. I don't know. We, do you know what? Maybe you listen to the pod and you'll, <laughs> we'll see it on Saturday. Okay. You've got to run, I know. So give us a last overview on this because it sounds like if Ireland with section back are going to attack quite well and have lots of options, if they're going to pay attention to the breakdown and if in defence they can kind of largely handle what England are throwing at them, Marcus Smith very much included and, and they have to be wary of him. This sounds like we're going ominously towards... Ireland to go to Twickenham and win and as confident as our, as we've been about that in some time I, I think based on what we've seen in the last five six months th- there's a reason why Eddie Jones and why lots of English people and pundits that I work with as well think that Ireland are in better shape and are probably marginal favourites I'd have to agree with them I, it's rare enough that you go to Twickenham and you might be be interesting to see what the bookies have but a point or two favourites it's going to be a very tight game of course but um, but I do think, based on what we have seen so far, that Ireland have offered more in attack, been defensively very solid. England haven't scored many tries, um, kicked their goals, put pressure on teams to, to eke out penalties, which you, sh- you shouldn't knock. You know, you can't, can't take away from that. Like they still, they squeeze Wales, continued to give away penalties and they just kept that scoreboard ticking over. But then they kind of tightened up and stopped playing. Mm. So... I do think that Ireland shouldn't have, of course, you play with a bit of fear, but they shouldn't be concerned that, you know, if they if they deliver what they have shown in against the All Blacks, against Wales, in parts against France, I think they'll cause England big problems. And, and so they should be able to create opportunities to score tries. And so, yeah, f- from that, point of view I, I do feel as though there should be an air of confidence going over there Okay very good well our rugby coverage is with thanks to Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team team of us everyone in Brian O'Driscoll thanks very much Cheers Joe Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us